Hello and you're very welcome to Farmland. I'm joined by Director of Policy and Chief Economist with the Irish Farmers Association, Tyg Buckley. Tyg, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks very much for the invite, Ashley. Now, uh, the CAP strategic plan has been given the green light by government, of course, the EU Commission uh, giving it uh, its approval back in August. Uh, another step forward for CAP, but uh, some farmers out there may be a little bit hesitant about what's coming in 2023. Some may feel that they're going to be asked to do a good bit more for somewhat less. Yeah, I think that's a fair summary, Ashing. I suppose really the, the we, like what we're seeing today is just... Uh, formality really because I suppose the details have been fairly um, you know have been apparent for months now and the issue really I think uh, really what you're seeing is in the pillar one part of the of the payments you know what you have now is is you have a significant additional ask on farmers which wouldn't have been there which isn't there at the moment in terms of the requirement for the basic payment scheme you do have greening but you know the requirement from a greening perspective is not it's you know it's not massively hard to achieve for a grassland farm particularly, but now we're going to see the introduction of eco schemes, twenty five percent of that pool, going into that uh, in you know requiring to carry out two eco scheme measures to qualify for that payment, and then as well as that you have the whole flattening of payments which comes with eco schemes because of the fact that you have twenty five percent, on this first of January twenty five percent of that payment taken out separated from from what is currently the basic payment and paid on a flat basis separately. So, Do, do you think that farmers have got a good enough grasp of what's being asked of them in, in January? I think, I think a lot of farmers, uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult to keep up with all the changes yeah. and, and the change, even the change in names, like we have basic payment change into BISP, you know, you have CRIS, you've eco schemes, you've all these different acronyms, which I think, you know, adds to the confusion. And I, I mean, it would be very difficult for farmers to stay fully au fait with it. I mean, we, we even... Could the IFA be doing more to simplify well, it? I suppose it's something we've done. I mean, we've, we've, we have put out payment guides and calculators on that side of the try and um, give farmers a full understanding. But really, Ashley, it's only when you get the payment next October, in October 2023, that's when it becomes real for farmers. Because even if you do have an, uh, an understanding of this type of change, and you know yourself when you get the payment and the fact that you know you have a separate eco-scheme payment as well now, which won't, you know, um, hopefully will, the, the, it may not come the same day as, the, as your BIS payment. So I think there's going to be a lot of adjustment for farmers and it's only when you get that payment that it becomes fully real for farmers in terms of what the difference is going to mean for them. Will it see some farmers lose out? Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the whole nature of the convergence and the, the way the eco-scheme is being administered leads to farmers, some farmers gaining and more farmers losing. So because you have, and, and that's, I suppose, was the biggest issue with, with, with uh, CAP is that the pillar one payment fund stayed static in nominal terms, fell in real terms. Um, so when you have a, you know, a, a fixed pot of funds and you have a convergence impact where you have um, reallocation of funds, redistribution of funds, some farmers are going to be going to gain and more farmers are going to lose. And I suppose the issues as well is that a lot of the losers are in sectors who are under pressure from an income perspective anyway and depend heavily on direct payments. So the dry stock sectors where over 100% of their income makes up from direct payments uh, and, and tillage as well where they have tend to have uh, a higher payment per hectare because of the fact that 
they would have traditionally been heavier uh, users of dependence on direct payments. So you do have that as well. So I think, um, yeah, you're going to have farmers that are going to be you know, pretty, pretty significantly impacted. The Agri-Climate uh, Rural Environmental Scheme, ACRES, uh, you need ACRES for ACRES is what has been commonly said um, on this programme and uh, in, in other outlets as well. Um, what do you feel, are farmers convinced of this scheme? We were at the National Ploughing Championships. There's there's a lot of concern about this scheme, how it's going to work, and I suppose this move to more results-based schemes yeah. as well. Yeah, I think one of the key, I think, um, one of the key problems with Acres was the way it was platformed day one. So if you look at the Nash, at the programme for government, it was called a REPS style. It was called a REPS 2, I think, was actually the term specifically used in the programme for government. So then there was an expectation created that farmers are going to get a type of rep scheme. So everybody remembers reps and you know I think it was a incredibly and quite fondly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Quite positively, very positively really. It was a very successful scheme and what was there you knew what you were going to get over the 5 years and you had a you know you had a, a a scheme of measures that you had to do. What we have is a completely different animal now in acres which as you say is results based. There's a, an awful lot of, um, it's quite confusing in terms of how it's structured. Now, in fairness, I, I, I think that there's a part of that is because of what the European uh, Commission has, the, the requirements put on the department. But I think the issue, first issue was how it was platformed. It was never going to be a REPS type scheme. And then we have, the la I suppose the other thing is that it's they set a, an expectation that they want 50,000 farmers in it. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. And we're hearing that it's maybe 30,000 exactly. in tranche one. And yeah. then as well, there's the concern from advisors. There's yeah. paperwork to be done. Absolutely. There's farm plans to be done. And we're only seeing that portal being opened very recently. It's a very short window for so, advisors. So exactly. So you have a few issues. You've got the fact that we're now here in, in October. Um, we have a situation where, so rep, if you take reps, reps took well over 60,000 farmers at its peak. You have uh, uh, saying, so first of all, the overall ambition at 50,000 farmers we feel is a way too low. There's going to be farmers that are not going to be able to get a scheme if, they, if that figure is moved upwards. Then we've got the second challenge with not only is it the 50,000, the fact that the first tranche is only going to take in 30,000 because of the lack of infrastructure Would you be confident it. they'll hit 30,000? It's going to be very difficult one. because yeah. the, 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 planners that are involved in it, be it Chagask or the private planners, are already, you know, creaking with the potential weight of 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 demand that will potentially be there. Um, and you've got the situation where we still have only draft specifications out. And even today, we hear that there's potential changes again in the, that the final specifications will differ from the draft ones with the riparian zone measure reducing from two hectares to one hectare, for, for instance. So, Again, that so would the goalposts mean, are changing. Yeah, so yeah. that means some of the draft plans that have already been done will have to be amended, potentially. So I think, you know, we are in a situation now where it's, and I think that that is adding to the confusion and adding to the lack of confidence in the scheme amongst uh, farmers. And when we're talking about incomes as well, Tyke, you know, for farmers, you, you were saying about yeah. certain sectors that rely on payments as well to top up their income or to be an income. So if you've relied on something like gloss down through the years yeah. and if you don't get in in tranche one and then you're looking at January 2024, there's a gap in your income there. So absolutely. And if, if when we look back at what does, so if you look back at a, tip, a suckler farmer income and if you look at that profile, that and the an agri environmental scheme can make up about can make up twenty percent of their income. 
So we cannot have a scenario where farmers, because of the fact that they can't get in because of the size of the tranche and the, the, the infrastructure that's there for it, that they're not able to, to, to get a payment next year, they will have to be looked after in some sort of balancing payment or some form of support payment, an interim payment that allows them is that likely? I think it'll have, I mean, that's something we've, we've highlighted to the minister. In the press conference last week, he said he was reflecting on it. So I think that uh, it's something that will have to be done because otherwise we're facing a chunk of farmers who could be taking a 20% income hit in 2023. You know, that can't be allowed to happen. Uh, another uh, measure uh, from Budget 2023 that's got a, a lot of tongues wagging out there is the concrete levy, 10%. Obviously, we see an initiative out there for farmers to modernise their slurry storage facilities. Yeah. But on the other hand, then we have a 10% concrete levy. Now, obviously, the finance bill will be published later this month and uh, suggestions there could be tweaks to that. But I don't think there'll be a tweak as much as it'll take farmers out of the equation for that uh, concrete levy. Yeah, so we, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people were kind of taken by surprise with this, with this measure, um, which I think was, so it's, it's a very, um, it's a very um, kind of broad brush approach to, to, to the issue. So which an issue was related to concrete blocks initially. And I suppose, as you say, so if we take the nitrates action program, the new, the, the next, the new nitrate action program, which was put in place uh, this year, that puts an increased requirement on farmers for in terms of soil water storage. A lot of farmers are, are you know, as well as that with, with um, you know, an increased uh, period for close period now potentially. So a lot of farmers kind of have no choice but to put in more storage. So, um, and, and then as well as that with the fertilizer price at the moment, and we want to see farmers putting in more storage too where, where, they, where it's feasible because it means that they'll, they'll make better use of the nutrients. So, you know, in terms of the fertilizer side of it, you know, allowing them to mitigate the increased cost. So, but we have now a scenario where farmers and those farm buildings are going to be heavily impacted by the concrete levy. And something we will be looking for as part of the finance bill is to try and see, can we have an exemption or some sort of rebate mechanism for farmers? Because if you think about it, if you're putting up a farm building relative to, say, any other type of building, there's a huge amount of concrete goes into it because most farm buildings have a concrete tank underneath them in the form of a slatted tank. So, or even if you decide to put up just a, a slatted tank for slurry storage, a huge proportion of that structure is concrete. And if we look at the last two years, the price of ready mix has gone up by 25%. Price of precast concrete has gone up by 33%. They're CSO figures. So, I mean, we... We think that based on, on, on those circumstances, it's, it's not right to include agricultural construction inside in this. And I think it's a very, it's not unreasonable to say that there should be some sort of exemption for farm, farm construction, given those unique circumstances that they have with, with concrete usage. Like all parts of society, energy costs are a huge concern, especially coming into this winter. We're hearing about possibilities of blackouts. And uh, I mean, even just in, in recent days, uh, the price increases have come on board from mm. many of the main suppliers in this country of, of electricity. So, I mean, farmers out there obviously looked to the budget, that temporary measure that was rolled out for businesses, including farmers. Do you think that'll be enough? Well, I think, look, I suppose in fairness, you know, I've been critical enough of some of the aspects of the budget. That was one, uh, that was something in fairness that was that was a positive development. The um, So while it won't be enough um, to, to, because we are facing huge energy hikes, um, 
But I suppose the concern we had at one stage was that would farmers be in scope because there was a lot of confusion before the budget about the type of schemes that were going to come in. So at least farmers are in scope now um, and it will allow them to recoup 40% of their cost once they're over that 50% threshold. So, you know, I mean, we'll always say it's probably not enough and that it won't cover all the costs and it won't because it covers gas and electricity. So it doesn't cover the other energy related impact. So fertilizer, for instance, is hugely impacted because a huge part of the cost of production of fertilizer is energy related. Feed is impacted as well because of the fact that it's heavily related to, to energy costs as well. So it's not um, it's not going to address all the issues, but you know it is a step, I suppose, in the right direction to help farmers to recoup some of the costs relating to electricity and gas. Uh, another surprise on budget day from Pascal Dunne, who was for the flat rate farmers. Many farmers out there not fat registered five and a half to five percent from next year. It's going to be costly for farmers. Yeah, yeah, forty six million. Um, and it's, it's um, I suppose, something that is going to hit the bulk of farmers as well, because, as you say, most farmers are unregistered. So, I mean, one of the things we, we've just, w- from our perspective, we just want to understand a bit more about the how this figure is, is calculated and it's something we've engaged with the department on to get a better understanding of, of the change that's happened. We know the size of the impact is 46 million, and I suppose we're trying to get a sense of, well, where is this going to likely go you know, from there on. So um, it is, and, it, and I suppose as well as that, it's something that will kick in on the 1st of January for, and it'll hit on the bulk of farmers because the vast, vast bulk of them are not, are not, are, are unregistered for vets. So the rebate that they're getting, the refund they're getting will drop by, by, uh, by half a percent. Finally, and, and briefly, Tyke, if you could, uh, where do you think that Charlie McConnell missed a trick here in this budget? It's 2.14 billion. It's a lot of money for the Department of Agriculture. Where could he have done better? Well, I think that if you, you look at it, 2.14 billion, on the face of it, it's a, it's a big increase. But if you strip out the once-offs uh, allocations from Bar and the likes of the Ukrainian aid and COVID aid, it's pretty flat year on year, really. It's a slight increase. And I suppose the one thing that if you looked at what are the farmers that most need help. So if we look at it, you know, in terms of the overall aim of the budget was for, you know, to try and target the consumers that are most impacted. And I suppose the farmers, we'd see the same. And really, I suppose the one disappointing part was the, you know, the vulnerable sectors not really getting any additional support. Your um, sucklers, your sheep yeah, farmers. I mean, if you yeah, take the, exactly, the sheep and suckler. And if you take even, say, you know, we're going to, we, we, we've been promised to replace them to PPS, but the, pro, the replacing the PPS is not going to be the same level of funding as BPS. It's going to be reduced. So I think that was probably the, the, the one, I think that if there was one specific area that I think that could have been, got, that merited more support, it certainly would have been there. Well, Ty Buckley, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Ashley. And that's it from this episode of Farmland. Thank you for tuning in. You can keep up to date with all the latest agricultural news on agriland.ie 